DDCO at the plate, he's over for 2 today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. DDCO lets it fly, and it's. Oh, it's raining now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swakowski. We just got finished watching um, episode number 20 from season one of Beverly Hills 90210, the, the TV show, an episode titled Spring Training, um, where uh, Steve and Brandon uh, coach a Little League team. Uh, so a lot to unpack there. Uh, but before we do that, it is episode 147, so we have enough episode 147 guy. Jack, who do you got? Yeah, I uh, my guy is the only player to ever finish with 147 wins, Kyle Loesch. Nice, nice. I'm glad you picked him. Nice, good. Yeah, so Kyle Loesch, um, you know, I'm I, obviously he was on the Cardinals, started his career with the Twins. I mainly remember him with the Brewers. <clears throat> he was kind of just the classic Doug Melvin signing. Um, you know, he signed a three or four year deal with the Brewers, uh, after age 30, um, and was, you know, okay for them. Uh, they, they signed a couple of those guys, uh, Kyle Loesch, Jeff Supan, Matt Garza, Randy Wolf. Um, so yeah, really, really Doug Melvin would just, you know, he would, he would follow the formula of signing these guys and it became kind of maddening after a while because they would, they would have maybe one or two decent seasons and then inevitably just deteriorate. To the point where they be, they were untradeable, uh, and the Brewers were just stuck with the contract. That happened with Kyle Loesch. He had uh, two good years for the Brewers, 2013-2014. He had a 3.35 ERA and a 3.54 ERA. He took the ball over 30 times both years. But then in his last year with the Brewers, he had a 5.85 ERA, and he was 5 and 13. This guy seems like he'd almost be a candidate for the worst of fame. He may even have been on there um, when we did that episode last yeah. year. Uh, but he, he had a career ERA of 440 over 16 seasons. So he's just one of those guys where it's puzzling that he's stuck around for so long because he was never good. Yeah, for sure. And, Jack, who didn't we talk about another Brewers pitcher that was kind of a bum? Was it Jeff Supon? Or was it, there... it, was, it was probably Jeff Supon, yes. Yeah, so, like, I was, like, because I have this certain class of, like, Brewers bum pitchers of the, like, you know, the 2000s and beyond. Um that like I kind of that a lot of these guys like kind of fall into and Kyle Loesch is definitely one of them. Um, you know, I he seemed like he kind of like, you know, kind of was done by the time he ended up on the Brewers, um, and you know had some good years with the with the with the Twins. Um, and yeah, like I think you know I feel like he came over his. Let's see what. It, He's a career three ninety for the for the St. Louis uh, Cardinals, but you know another one of these guys who came over to the Cardinals and was like, you know, he seemed like he kind of turned his career around a little bit, and it was kind of annoying. Um, yeah, yeah, he he kind of had like two kind of like spotty years with the Cardinals, but three good ones. So um, yeah, and then I don't know, I was kind of like, I I, I was already kind of like you know, not too fond of this guy. So the other thing about Kyle Loesch is that he was drafted by the Cubs um, <laughs> and he was traded. Um, this is, this is crazy. He was traded for Rick Aguilera. Um, wow. So the Cubs got Rick Aguilera and Scott Downs, Scott Downs. Do you remember Scott Downs, Jack? A little bit. Yes. Yeah. He was a lefty pitcher debuted for the Cubs it was like, kind of like, 
serviceable, uh, but then like disappeared from the league for like I feel like he disappeared for a couple years and came back in like I think like relief, um, maybe with the Expos I think and like was like mm-hmm. kind of good, like and I was like how come like we had this guy and I liked him and I thought he was gonna be good and then he like kind of disappeared but, um, but yeah so the Cubs Cubs had Kyle Loesch in their system um, so like that was something that I that was always in the back of my mind when I would like follow him in in following years that's uh, like I you know I hope. I, it's like anytime this guy was good, I'm like, damn it, the Cubs, you know, had him or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. Kyle Loesch is definitely one of those guys. It's like, I don't know. I mean, like, wh- what did you think? What did you personally think of Kyle Loesch in th- 13 and 14? And he, cause his numbers really, were okay. They were fine. I still didn't really like him though, because I was yeah. just tired of the. You know, they they were just do. I, I think they signed so Kyle. They signed Kyle Loesch after he had a really good year with the Cardinals, and he was 16 and three with an ER, a sub four ERA. Um, and then they, you know, they signed him. I think the same thing had happened with Jeff Supon, though, where mm-hmm. Jeff Supon had a really good year with the Cardinals, and then the Brewers signed him. Yeah. Um, so it was just like, and you know, Supon had already started to go south by the time that Kyle Loesch was on the team. I'm not, I'm not sure if they ever overlapped. Uh, you know, Supon might have been a little bit before Loesch, but uh, yeah, it, it was just I, I never really liked him. I thought he was boring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like. It was just one of those weird signings. Um, I actually, I'm surprised that he actually had two kind of service, serviceable years for the uh, for the Brewers. But yeah, so I, you know, I guess in the long run, it's one of those guys like, you know, we talked about trading prospects last week. Um, it's like this is the kind of guy who you trade, and it's like he's around for a long time, but it's not like he was like a Hall of Famer or anything. So it's like you kind of like you deal with, you know with what you get, um, what, like what he does based on like what you get out of whoever you get. So Rick Aguilera, like, even though the Cubs were not doing anything those years, um, although he was on the 99 Cubs, but, uh, Rick Aguilera was like serviceable for the Cubs a a little bit, I think, even though he was definitely past his prime by the time the Cubs got him. But was he on the 86 Mets? Um, that's a good question. He might've been on the twins at that point, but, um, no, he was. Yeah, on the I don't know which, which guy. Which guy am I thinking of? It's not Aguilera. It's somebody well, else. No, he was. He was on the '86 Mets. Actually, oh, um, yeah, they okay. had they had uh, Roger McDowell. But like, it's weird because he he must have been like. Well, let's see here. I, I just pulled up his numbers. Uh, an '86. Yeah, he didn't have any saves, um, and they don't have holds on here. But yeah, because I guess so. He was in the in that bullpen with Orozco and uh, and Roger McDowell, um, but but yeah. Um, John Franco, it's kind of crazy to think John Franco wasn't even on the 86 Mets. He seems like he's like a, a Mets lifer, but um, I think he was maybe on the uh, the Reds or maybe not even in the league in 86. I don't know. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, so Kyle Loesch, yeah, uh, that's a good one. I think, like, I I cannot remember who that, the, the it must have been Jeff Supon that we talked about, but, like, I, I almost feel like there was a different guy, but uh, I felt like it was essential to, to pick Kyle Loesch, so I'm glad you, you took him. Good, yeah. One one last thing about him. It says the pronunciation on Baseball Reference of his name. It says Loesch, uh, long O, rhymes with the Koch in kosher or Koch in, like, the C-O-C in precocious. Um, that's weird. I think that's that's pretty good. It's oddly specific. It, I've never seen anything like that before. And also, wouldn't they just say, like, it's like the beginning of the word lotion? Like, Loesch, lotion? <laughs> like, I mean, that not that easier to... To connect and the coach in precocious, that's weird. That's that's very weird. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, it puts the Kyle lotion on its skin. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know exactly. Uh, there you go. 
Um, yeah. Very okay. Nice. Okay. Who who did you have? Uh, Jack, I had the the bull Leon Durham. Oh, okay. So do you do you know like he a little bit before your time, Jack? I think right, Leon Durham. Do yes. You know, do do you do you have any kind of grasp on on Leon Durham at all? No, he played 1980 to 1989. So no. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that he played like that briefly, but um, so um, I barely remember him. I do like. My earliest Cubs memories, I remember Leon Durham being the first baseman, and then he. I remember when he gave way to Mark Grace, um, I mm-hmm. think in the '88 season, um, and uh, yeah, it's um, he's an interesting guy. Um, so he was on that '84 Cubs team that made the playoffs, and um, he was an All Star for two years. Like I think the Cubs. Um, I was actually talking to uh, a friend of our friend of the show, Paul, about. Leon Durham at one point, and he was like kind of like a hot shot prospect. He was fifth draft, uh, drafted fifteenth overall by the Cardinals in nineteen seventy six, um, and I think he was kind of like a hot shot prospect. But I think he kind of had, like, I think if I remember correctly, he, he had like a bad attitude, and that's why the Cubs uh, or the the Cardinals traded him away because he he didn't fit into the Cardinals way even back in like the early eighties. Um, so uh, he got traded um, by the Cardinals with a player to be named later and Ken Reitz to the Cubs for Bruce Suter. Um, so that's what happened to, to Bruce Suter. That's how he ended up on the, uh, on the Cardinals to give up that, uh, Ryan Sandberg game, uh, those homers. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, Kyle Loesch, uh, Leon Durham was, uh, like the starting first baseman for a while. He had, he had a handful of years with homers in the twenties. Um, and then just like, he kind of hit a wall. I don't know if he was, I don't know if he had some off the field issues or not. Um, but the one thing that I think like, something that I didn't know about because it was just before my time, but like the 1984, like I don't know much about the, that 1984 Cubs team. Like I don't know it, know that team intimately. Like I, I did like some of the other teams. Um, but one thing that I didn't know about, okay. So one thing that I did know about them is that they, they were up, I think two games to nothing in the NLCS um, against the Padres. And in that back then it was a best of five series. Um, so they, they completely choked. Um, and they, they lost the series. Padres went to the World Series and ended up losing. Um, but uh, the Cubs were playing the Padres, um, and it was in Game 5. Uh, do you know about this, Jack, the Gatorade glove? No. So um, before the game, uh, Leon Durham got Gatorade spilled on his glove. He was the first baseman of the of the, the Cubs, and he got Gatorade spilled on his glove, and, and it clearly fucked up his glove. Um <sighs> When I, I just did a little quick research about it, it turns out it was Ryan Sandberg who spilled the the Gatorade. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like um, about uh, let's see, da, 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 da. Ryan Sandberg had accidentally spilled Gatorade all over Durham's glove, soaking it wet. With the first pitch barely minutes away, Durham frantically wiped it with a towel and then used a hairdryer to dry it. The chemical composition of Gatorade makes it a bit adhesive, which means that at this point the glove was barely serviceable. Uh, Durham considered using another glove, but opted against it uh, because it could be problematic to use an unfamiliar glove. According to some sources, as Durham waited... Okay, so what happened was uh, at some point, like uh, Tim Flannery on the Padres hit a ground ball to Durham and it went between his legs. 
And they say because his like glove was fucked up. And the crazy thing about all of this is that no one ever talks about that. Not even Cubs fans talk about that. But it, there, a ball went through Durham's legs at first base, just like Bill Buckner. But because the Bill Buckner thing happened like a year later and it was in the World Series and it was like Red Sox, Mets, everyone talks about that one. But it happened to Liam Durham too. And they say it happened to Buckner because of his back. Um, but Durham, it happened because his glove was fucked. It was, it was like soaked with Gatorade. Um, and so, um, according to some sources, as Durham waited for the hit from Flannery, he looked down at the glove to see if it would open. And that is when he lost track of the ball. Uh, whatever had happened, the Cubs had now been pegged back to three, three. And then the, the, the Padres scored three more runs and beat the, beat the Cubs and eliminate them in the 84 uh, NLCS. But no one ever talks about that really. And like, I'm not old enough to remember that year. Like I, th- I think if, you know, if we talk to some Cubs fans in their, in their fifties, maybe they would probably have a pretty good recollection of, of all that. But, uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things that's kind of forgotten in this era of baseball. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you hear so much about like the black cat or the Billy goat, but I'm, I'm surprised nobody ever brings up the Gatorade glove. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's that. And then also, um, there's a story that Steve Dahl, a uh, local radio um, personality here in Chicago and, and noted like party animal from back in the day. He was friends with Sutcliffe and apparently him and Sutcliffe and some people went to Tijuana before game five also um, <laughs> and uh, got into some trouble. And, and Sutcliffe may have been a little hungover while he was pitching out in San Diego. So in, Interesting. Okay. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. Well, Hey man, you met, you met Ryan Sandberg. You should have, you should have dogged him for, uh, spilling Gatorade on Lee and Durham's glove. I, yeah, I did not know that until just this very day that it was Ryan Sandberg that spilled that Gatorade. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's a good one, Jeremy. Yeah. This is another guy who kind of, uh, was way, was kind of well before my time, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. One, one thing that popped out about, uh, looking at his stats, for me, was that he had a couple of years of twenty plus steals. Leon Durham did. Mm-hmm. Um, so he actually, you know, in in the early part of his career, he had some speed on the bases, which is pretty unusual for a for a first baseman, definitely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, sure. that's kind of cool. It's cool to see. And um, definitely, um, you know, a candidate for the all all glasses team as well. Or glasses. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. We'll have to we'll have to remember that one. Yeah, for sure. Um. Uh, yeah. What, yeah, well, do you want to jump into this Beverly Hills 90210 episode? <laughs> Let's do it, man. That's a sentence I never thought we'd be saying on this podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we decided to do a, a watch along um, uh, for this week. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it like, or I'll frame it like this, Jack. I, I, like months ago or weeks ago, I guess, whatever, a couple months ago, whatever, I started uh, re watching Beverly Hills 90210. So it was uh, a. TV series uh, about uh, a group of kids uh, from from uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, the the two main stars are uh, Brandon and Brenda Walsh, played by Jason Priestley and uh, Shannon Doherty, uh, who are two uh, brother. They're twins uh, that move from from Minnesota to Beverly Hills. So it's kind of like a fish out of water thing. Um, and so like it kind of starts off with them kind of like you know, getting uh, acclimated to the, to the, to, to Beverly Hills and the lifestyle there. Uh, but this is uh, 20 episodes into the first season. Uh, the original air date was April 25th, 1991. Um, and like I said, the episode's called spring training directed by Bert Brinkerhoff <laughs> written mm-hmm. by Charles Rosen. Um, and yeah, like I said, uh, it's, um, it's a goofy, it's a goofy episode. Um, it's been a trip for me to go back and watch some of these, these season one episodes. Um, mm-hmm. 
because I'm pretty sure I was watching it, but I was I was nine years old at the time that this nine going on ten when this uh, episode aired. Jack was, uh, you know, he was out of diapers at this point, but but still <laughs> like just toddling around his little a little tyke up in uh, Wisconsin. But uh, yeah, so yeah, man. Um, I don't even know. I mean, what do you have anything you want to say before we start, or should we just start beating well, out the story? You know, uh, I uh, so I, I never watched this show. Yeah. Um, I, I was just right before we started recording i I googled it and and read a little bit about it um because i mean i'm certainly aware of it i didn't know it ran up until 2000 so it seems like it it it, uh, had its initial airing in like the fall of 1990 probably and this episode aired in april um so it's season one but yeah it aired all the way up to 2000 um you know i remember a couple of years ago when luke perry died uh, you know, that was kind of a big deal. Uh, but yeah, I had never watched the show. It, uh, I, I always thought it was like, you know, um, it, it was never, I guess, like those kind of shows were not my thing. I always kind of assumed Beverly Hills 90210 was like edgy or something, but it's it certainly seems like it's <laughs> it's not so much, but maybe some of the later seasons dealt with some heavier topics. Well, no, Jack, it's 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 like it's um it's like bipolar because it is it is definitely edgy and like. I think like one of the things is like it gets it gets uh, compared to Saved by the Bell a lot because they were they okay. were kind of competing shows at the time. Saved by the Bell definitely was like the comedy of the two, but like there were some dark episodes in season one already of the the, the previous episode. Jack, to put to give you some context, here you go. Here's some context. The the prior episode to this, I, I just watched a couple of days ago. It features a young uh, Matthew Perry. Um, from Friends fame, uh, playing like a a tennis star, a high school tennis star who like writes this like twisted screenplay about killing, shooting and killing his dad. Um, and Jesus. so Brandon and he like, and so Brandon like is like doing a story about him on the paper uh, for the paper. Uh, but like he, he's reading the screenplay, but he believes that, that this, this kid really wants to kill his dad. And like, he shows up and like, He's got a gun, but he, and he's drinking and he's drunk and he thinks that the dad is going to be dead. Like Brandon keeps having these like these like fever dreams of like seeing Matthew Perry like shoot his dad and like he has to like uh, help him. And then like they he gets like put into like a, a like a, a, a mental hospital and like he like comes and visits them after he's like, hey, man, like, you know let's just like, you know, you need someone to talk to Like, I'll be your friend or whatever. And like, that's how, like, that's kind of how the episode ends. Like the dad's like, I'm going to get some help. Like we both need help. So, so that was a previous episode. So it does get very, it is a dark show. Like it goes there. And then we have this episode spring training. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, so, uh, the Brandon and, uh, Brenda, right. Brenda's the girl's name. Mm -hmm. Um, they're supposed to be twins, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I read that they, uh, so yeah, they're from Minneapolis. So the, probably the first season is about them getting acclimated to Beverly Hills. What do the, what do the parents do? So they, I never, they, the mom, they implied that she was a nurse in that episode. The dad, (laughs) like, what does the dad do? It's not, she's not a nurse either. Like that was just like, I think cause she was taking care of the dad, which we'll talk about in a second. But like uh, the dad is like a banker or something. He's in like banking, and that's why they moved to Beverly Hills for some reason. Although okay. like in like episode two, he goes back to Minneapolis like on a business trip, so it makes no sense. But yeah, the parents were kind of generic a little bit. The, the parents did have like a storyline. There was like there was an episode kind of early on in the season one where the mom like runs into like an old fling and like fucking like kisses him. Like she's like almost gonna cheat on the the dad. Jesus. Um, and like. So they they actually gave them a little business to work with. The dad was like, I was like going back and watching, and like the dad is like, 
um, he's kind of he kind of sucks. He's kind of like oblivious a little bit, but like, and like they they make him into like some kind of like sage like character. But I always thought he was kind of like a bumbling fool, and he's definitely a, a, a bumbling fool in this episode um, for the most part. Uh, although he does like a a, a a 180 like almost halfway through, but um, yeah, it's like they're kind of. I guess they give him a little business like like to work with like in the episodes they're not completely generic but you know it's clearly about Brandon and Brenda. Okay. Um and then there's Luke Perry. Uh the, the first thing I thought of when I saw him was he seems like he's the like the Fonz of that show. Would that be would that be accurate? <laughs> that's that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, he's like he's kind of like the Fonz like, you know, 2.0 like he he he's he has he's dark he has a troubled past his dad is like um has like some shady business deals and like had to like leave the country so dylan was like is pretty moody um and i think he even alludes to it maybe in the uh in this episode uh briefly um but he's pretty well adjusted <laughs> otherwise and and he, like at this point brandon or uh, brenda and uh, dylan have started dating already which that was a big thing in the in the series um but yeah, yeah. So he's he he is like the cool guy, but he's also he also has a, a dark uh, background. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then Steve, uh, played by Ian Deziring. Um, yeah, Ian is he Deziring. Like, uh, is it I? It's not. It's Ian, not you, it's, Ian. That that was a big thing back in the day, like for people to know that it was pronounced Ian Deziring and not Ian Deziring. Wow, that's <laughs> what a what a pretentious uh, guy. Um, well, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Ian uh, Steve. Um, he, is he like the, just sort of like the meathead jock kind of guy? Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's weird. He's not really so much a jock. He's just a meathead, but like he's, it's, it's weird. Like he has like, like there's an earlier episode this season where they both where Brandon and Steve both try out for the basketball team. Mm-hmm. And like, Steve is like, he's like a bench player. Like he's like, he, he tries out, he has to like, he's like a walk on for the team or something. Like he's, he's trying to like make the team, but like, and he's like, I'll make it, but I'll, I'll like be a bench, you know, I'll be right in the bench or whatever. Um, but, and actually I think he even gets cut actually, but, um, but yeah, so he's, he's definitely like a meathead. Um, and one of the things that I've, that I valued like rewatching the show is like, I started, I appreciated Steve, Steve, uh, like Ian Ziering, um, way more than I did back in the day. Like he's, um, he, I feel like he's definitely trying the hardest out of all of them. Um, and he's like, he really chews the scenery a lot in, in his episodes and uh-huh. like in his scenes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of a, a, a knucklehead doofus. Like who's like usually doing the wrong thing. And in this episode, like it was a pretty, it was a, it was actually, he was a little even like kind of out of bounds for his normal character in this episode. But, but yeah, like it, it was, it kind of fit into like what he, what his character generally is. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, and then, uh, uh, Gabrielle Carteris, uh, is she the nerdy one? She's supposed to be the, the smart nerdy one. Yeah. Um, okay. she runs the school paper. She's like the class president. Well, she's actually not the class president, but she's like the smart one. She like has a crush on Brandon, but nothing's happened between them yet. Does uh, it? Uh, I can't remember. I think it does, um, but I can't. Re- Actually, in a couple episodes prior to this, Steve, uh, it, like on Andrea or Andrea was helping Steve uh, study, and like they actually kissed, and it was a big deal. But they were both like, "Oh no, it could never work out." Um, so that was it was kind of weird for like a half of an episode. But um, the whole thing about Gabrielle Carteris was 
she was like like in real life she was like way older than the rest of the cast oh really she, and like i looked it up she was like 29 or 30 years old jesus and, christ yeah and the rest of them were like 20 the rest of them were like 20 21 but they're all supposed to be playing like high school juniors mm-hmm. um and the other thing about it from a personal standpoint is like back you know obviously everyone had a crush on somebody on that show um and i actually liked i actually liked andrea <laughs> Like back then. And I remember uh-huh. like I told some girls that and they're like, oh, my God, she's so old. Like, don't you know that she's old? <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, I, well, whatever. I was just, you know, I was just joking or something like I probably like played it off. But I did. I did have a thing for, for Andrea. And like, that's always like the the joke. Like back then it was like I was ridiculed for it, basically. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, OK. And then you get they got a uh, Tory Spelling. Uh, it was Aaron Spelling's daughter. I think Aaron Spelling was one of like the he was like the showrunner, one of the creators of the show. Um, yeah, exactly. And she's just one of the friends of Brenda. Yeah, Bre- uh, uh, um, Donna is her character's name, and then mm-hmm. Kelly. Um, so Kelly, they both like kind of like had a small role in this episode, uh, but they got him in the mix at least. Um, and they've each had their own thing. Donna like definitely was like kind of barely on the fringes in the early episodes and they finally gave her some sort of storyline like one or two episodes ago. Um, and she goes on to have bigger storylines as the, as the series goes on, but yeah, they were kind of like easing her in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so you got all those people. You also got David silver who, um, makes a, is appears in one, uh, scene in this show. Um, he's a freshman and he's trying to like get in with the group. Basically he's trying to establish himself with the cool kids. Uh, but he's definitely a nerd. Um, uh, Andrea isn't even really like, she like kind of like is an accepted nerd, but David is like a freshman nerd. Who's like, like Steve Sanders makes fun of him and stuff. And he tries to like indoctrinate himself to the group. Um, so he, he appears in one scene in this uh, episode. So, um, and that's the bulk of the cast. There's one kid who's in the opening credits. Um, Scott Scanlon is his name, and uh, his, his like his the actor is like Douglas Emerson, and like he was Steve Sanders, or he was a uh, uh, David David Silver's friend who was also a freshman nerd, and then he gets like phased out of the show, uh, and then famously he comes back, um, he moves his character moves to Texas and comes back to visit uh, David, and David's like all cool now, um, and Scott got into like guns. And he starts like twirling this gun because he was like living in Texas. He wears like a cowboy hat, and he famously like drops the gun and shoots himself and dies. What <laughs> in the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was about season like four, I would say, something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's like they wrote that kid out of the show, and then they bring him back just so he can like accidentally shoot himself. That's <laughs> that's fucked up, man. The nine hundred two one zero has some really dark moments. Like someone, there's like. Uh, I mean, spoiler alert, but like Dylan, like is about like is engaged to this girl to get married. And then she's like, her dad is in the mob and like somehow hates Dylan. And he tries to like put a hit on Dylan, but the girl actually drives the car and she gets blown up. Like, Oh my God. (laughs) It's crazy, man. It's, it, it really went there. It's like, it was like, I mean, this is like, you know, it's like a sitcom for teenagers. And like, I was, I was hooked. Like, uh, I watched it. Mark Bubblebath watched it. Like, we would talk about it. Like, um, you know, uh, you know, at, at points. Um, but yeah, it was good stuff, man. It really, it really hooked you. You know, it makes you understand why people get hooked to, to those like daytime soap operas. 
Yeah, um, and they they said that too. I was just reading on Wikipedia. So Shannon Doherty wasn't wasn't on the show after season four or five. She just became like a nightmare. They they said. Yeah, yeah, which like kind of became like a joke. Like I know she hosted Saturday Night Live at some point, uh-huh. and like they made like they would like make jokes about her, like like you know like yeah she just yeah became like a nightmare to work around and stuff and just got herself off the show and huh. they famously replaced her with um Tiffany Amber Thiessen who played Kelly Kapowski on Saved by the Bell yeah. um and that Did she play she, Brent did she play Brenda? No 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 she played she was like their cousin from from Minnesota okay um, and she was like the girl next door but then like was a bad secretly a bad girl and um again like as a kid like uh you know, whatever, like a 14 year old kid who like was in love with Kelly Kapowski when she came to now to an, I was, it was just, it was, it was all bets were off. Like I was like, just, (laughs) yeah. Um, Hey, yeah. Jeremy also just, uh, you know, one last thing before this recap ends on, on the subject of that guy who like, you know, the, the guy from Texas who like dropped a gun and, you know, shot and killed himself. And I, I guess he should be lucky that this was Aaron Spelling's production company and not Alec Baldwin's. Um, (laughs) Uh, yes, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, hope, like luckily the armorer on uh, 90210 was uh, not out in the desert shooting guns, I guess, beforehand. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I, I guess this episode specifically, though, um, you know, it, it, had, it has an A plot, which is uh, Brandon and Steve coaching a, a Little League baseball team. And uh, they, I guess you could say the B plot is Brenda... Um, adopts a dog that's yes. like a, str- a stray dog. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfectly, perfectly said. It's it's really funny. Okay, so like the episode opens actually. The episode actually opens with Brenda jogging through Beverly Hills, through the streets of Beverly Hills, and um, there's like a, a dog starts following her, and she keeps calling it puppy. She's like, "Hey, puppy, where are you going, puppy? Stop following me, puppy. Puppy, what are you doing?" And it's like, "Come on, man! Like, like that was like like." I feel like she should have varied what she was saying to this dog at some point. Cause then I was like, is, is are they going to just refer to it as puppy for the whole episode? Um, and so this dog like takes to her and follows her and like, she can't shake it. So that's kind of like the first, the very opening of the, of the episode. Like it's a very brief scene. Um, but we know that something's going to happen there. Um, but then it cuts pretty quickly to like the, uh, like the, the park, like the little league park. And the, the the original conceit of the show is that of this episode is that uh, the dad, I think his name is Jim, Jim Walsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like he's actually the coach of the Little League team. And for some reason, Brandon and Steve are like his assistant coaches, um, which I guess that I guess they have like assistant coaches like in Little League and stuff. Um, but uh, I guess that was believable. But like what, one thing that jumped out to me. Uh, early on was well we'll say this really quick so like they're like walking and talking um and they they run into this guy uh dave or dave uh his name i think it was um i can't remember what his like edwards or something i can't remember what his last name was but dave is like they uh jim the dad refers to him as el presidente of the west beverly uh hills like little league or something so he's like some kind of he's like (laughs) I don't know, Jack. Like he was like some kind of like commissioner of the league or something, or some kind of like high profile guy. I didn't under yeah, I didn't understand. Um, you know, and this this goes back to like he, like a Mr. Riccolo thing. Like I didn't understand yeah. what I didn't <laughs> understand like, what the guy's role was. Like no, I just I knew that he was important. Yeah, no, exactly. Like they don't do a good job of establishing who he is. Really, like no, like 
they they make him they make him important. They basically say like, here's an important guy. Let's move on. It's like just no, <laughs> just just understand he's important and like because I had some some thoughts like I so. I watched about five minutes of this episode and like me and Jack were looking for something to watch. I'm like, dude, this like perfectly fell into my lap. This was like the next episode up in my like rewatching of the show. So I was like, this like is too perfect. Like, and I'm sure it's going to be bonkers. So like, let's do this for the podcast. So um, I watched the first like five minutes and I saw that scene and I saw the scene where the next scene involving this guy. Um, But yeah, it was it was weird. I think it's like they called him El Presidente, and so we're supposed to know that he's like supposed to be a big, a big wheel. Um, yeah, and it, so it, it kind of seems like you know it, it's about the the kids, but it almost seems like he's like he wheels and deals with the other dads around town to to make like you know to make deals and stuff. Yeah. Like at, at one point near the end of the episode, he says to Jim Wall, she's like, "Gee, like you know." Billy Jones's kid is on the bench. It'd be a shame if he finished the game there. Like his I his dad is the leader of whatever, you know? I think it's Tom Bosworth. (laughs) I wrote it down. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Tom Bosworth's son uh, is not sitting on... It would be a shame if we lose this game with Tom Bosworth's son sitting on the bench. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, but yeah, so, like, uh, it's, like... They they're talking. They do throw in a couple like things. Like I think I think Dave uh, El Presidente says like, "So you're gonna hit some fungos or whatever?" Did mm-hmm. you catch that, Jack? Like, yes, I did. Oh yeah, yeah. They got some lingo in there, which was nice. Um, but what what stood out to me at this opening scene is Steve Steve Sanders uh, what he was wearing. Uh, it was pretty it was pretty awesome. I don't know if it stood out to you, Jack, but he was wearing those stirrup socks, like those socks with the painted on uh, stirrups. Uh, so they went up to like his knees, like to actually no, they went up to his shins. And there were white socks with like black stirrups painted on them, and then he was wearing like black shorts, and I think like a uh, like a tank top, and he was also wearing like a Raiders hat. Like yeah, for oh, some I saw the wearing, Raiders hat. Yeah, yeah, it was so funny. It's like for some reason, I mean, like you know, back then I think the Raider that logo was pretty big and everything, but. You know, this is also 1991, so it's like it's in the shadow. Like it's not that far removed from the Dodgers '88 World Series. It's like they clearly mustn't have been able to get the rights to use the Dodgers, but they were able to get the rights to use the Raiders, I guess, and that's why he wore a Raiders hat. That's the only thing I can think of because it makes no it makes no sense that he's wearing a Raiders baseball hat for for a baseball. Uh, no, episode. yeah, and uh, also Steve was a southpaw, Jeremy. I didn't know if you noticed oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because he was he was hitting some some grounders to the kids, I think, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then they're talking. So like Brandon and Steve are talking, and they're like, you know, hey, uh, you know, how we're how are we gonna be this year? And like, hey, check that kid out. He's like the good, uh, you know, he's he's gonna be a star, or whatever. And then they're like, I think Steve says like, you know, how is your dad any good at coaching or something? And then like they cut to Jim. And he takes like one swing, and he like completely obli- like destroy like throws out his back. He like takes one swing, and he's like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like in the most cartoonish sitcom sort of way, which seems uncharacteristic for nine hundred two and zero. He's like he's down, he's out for the count, like just he injures his back after one swing. So it's like within the first like minute of the episode, he's injured. <laughs> And he's done. He's out. So then, uh, you know, Brandon and Steve have to take over. Um, and yeah, it cuts to like the dad is laid out on the on the couch or the bed or whatever, and the mom is there, and she says like, "Oh, the aging nurse has to take care of the aging jock." And 
like I said, there was another episode earlier in the season where Brandon is trying out for the basketball team, and somehow Jim is like the, a basketball guru. Like he's like teaching. He's like, you know, it's like the the Brandon comes to him and he's like, "So you're practicing your layups? Like, how's your uh, full court press? You know, like what about your zone defense? Whatever." It's like it's like who and Jim had like this like big moment in high school or college or something, and it's like you look at the guy and like he doesn't he looks like an accountant. Like he doesn't look like a former like high school basketball star. So it's weird that they like tried to make him into some sort of, they call him an aging jock. And it's like, I guess that's kind of supposed to be part of his backstory, but he doesn't look like he was ever a jock. I don't know. No, I, yeah, I, I I would agree. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty comical, Jeremy, and and a perfect setup for now, Jason, Jason Priestley, uh, Brandon and Steve are, are gonna, are gonna take over the team. Um, and so the, I guess is the next scene up here is I, what's the peach pit? Yeah. So the peach pit was their like hangout. It was the equivalent. Did you watch Saved by the Bell, Jack? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it was like they, they would always hang out at that. Like the I max. always thought it was, that was an extension of the school. Cause I was, I was pretty young when Save the Bell, what? Saved by the Bell was airing. Yeah. But yeah. That, what was that one called? That was the max. Okay. Um, so the Peach Pit is basically the max uh, for for nine hundred two and zero, and oddly enough, they're both like kind of fifties dinery type of things. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's actually funny um, that you say that about it being an extension of the school because um, this comedian April Richardson does this Save by the Bell podcast called Go Bayside, and one thing that she's always hung up on is like the business model of the max. And she's like, what is what is this place? Like, is it on campus? Is it like a block away? Like, is it part of the school? Because like they hold like any sort of school function is held at the max. And she's always like tripped up by like, what is the like, what is the structure of this place? Like, how is it associated with the school or is it not at all? So it's funny that you bring that up because. Yeah, yeah. I guess there was probably a reason that I thought that. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're always there. Like when they go to lunch, they go there. Like they never eat in the cafeteria. Like it is weird, but I, tell you, <laughs> I, I digress. It's kind of so. So Brandon works at the Peach Pit, basically. Okay. That's his job because he's not a rich uh, Beverly Hills kid. He has to have a job, so he works at this Peach Pit. And and Nat is the owner slash boss slash you know sage guy or whatever. Um. So yeah. So he's uh. So he's there. And, um, and you know, you know what, yeah. Jeremy? Again, this is an extension of Happy Days because I, I had written in yes. my notes here, Luke Perry, comma question, Fonzie. Um, mm-hmm. But like, uh, the Peach Pit is just Arnold's, basically yeah. from yeah. Happy Days. For sure. I wonder if that even if I wonder if that's like the original like model of the thing. The other thing about um, Saved by the Bell, which I feel like we can talk about them interchangeably a little bit, is that. They established on that show that all the writers for for Saved by the Bell were like, like 50, 60 year old men, like writing mm-hmm. this like sitcom about like you know teenagers um, in in L A. And clearly, it's kind of the same thing with with Now Two and O. It's like, you know, like what what is it that all these kids are fascinated with? Like the fifties, like they all have like sideburns. They all look like like uh, James Dean. It's like they're only they're only like their characters are only written this way because that's what the writers know because they're of that age, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, when when you think about Jason Jason Priestley and specifically Luke Perry, like Luke Perry looks like James Dean. Yeah, yeah, they're just trying to be like baby James Deans, and it's like the only reason why like kids at that that in that like group were not 
trying to be that. Like that was just like a choice they made for those characters on the TV show. And again, it's because the the writers like grew up in that time, and that's their idea of cool is James Dean. So it's just all fucked up. But but yeah, and then of course this you know it was influential show for like you know Gen Xers basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, so it seems like the Peach Pit not only is it Brandon's job, but it seems like it's kind of just where they like hang yeah. out after yeah. school. Totally right. Yeah. So they're they yeah that's right. They're all so. Um, who's there? Like Brandon, uh, Dylan, mm-hmm. uh, An- Andrea, and was Brenda there? Or like, was there a fourth person? I feel, person? Like, or I feel Steve, like Brenda. Maybe. Brenda wasn't there. Um, there was one other person though. Maybe it was Tori Spelling. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm not sure, but like, so they they talk and like, yeah. This turned out to be like a, a like a, a a key moment that like we didn't know right away. But first of all, like, they, I think someone said. I think it was Brenda was there maybe because I think she said to like. Dylan, she's like, Dylan, aren't you like a ba- don't you love baseball or something? Like, and he's like, yeah, of course I do, but I don't, you know, want to play it because of all the like pressure that the parents put on the kids or whatever. Like, and and then he like hangs his head, like, and it's like, okay, that's a bit of information. <laughs> um, and then and then Andrea says like, yeah, like it can be really tough. Like, I know of a kid who lives in the valley or whatever, uh, and he's like a great player but you know whatever like they won't take him or something like she says something about some kid um or well i should say they won't take the kid or something like Mm -hmm. that but um yeah so you know i didn't i didn't realize that that would you know usually these things you can see him coming that one i didn't realize was going to be a thing later on but it turns (laughs) out it would be yeah so that yeah that was that little uh uh just that that little you know what what do you call it chekhov's gun Mm-hmm. Right, uh, right, right in that scene there. And you, yeah, the foreshadowing. You kind of, you know, you kind of forget about it. Um, and so a- after this scene where they establish that, like, Dylan, you know, would be a really good baseball coach, but he doesn't want to coach kids from West Beverly Hills or mm-hmm. whatever, they uh, they go back to the field and it's Stephen Brandon again. Um, and I, I, I think the first thing you see is like this little fat kid picking his nose yes. and then Steve Steve starts making fun of him for picking his nose and then he makes the fat kid run a lap for it. Yes. Like, are you really going to make the kid run a lap for picking his nose? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, he's like, he, it's it, like, it just starts off. I think it cuts to that scene and he's like, hey, Crawford. It's like, what are you doing picking your nose or get your finger on your nose? He's like, that's it. Take a lap. And then Brandon <laughs> comes up to him and he's like, Steve, like, why don't you like be easy on the kid? And Steve goes like, I don't need a booger picker playing second base for my team. <laughs> and so like, so like he like, yeah, he makes him do a lap and like, he's, he's a, a, a booger picker. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. And so then like, so that kind of happens. That's a weird moment certainly. And it's definitely harsh and like, pretty inappropriate uh i feel like that was even appropriate back in 1991 call me crazy but um so that happens but then then kind of out of nowhere like enter stage right is uh presidente uh el presidente dave comes in and he has um he's like he's carrying two like equipment bags and he's like all right everybody new bats and gloves for everyone and he just drops them on the field and and they're like all right like this is awesome and um and then, like, I think Brandon says, like, you know, where do you, where'd you get this stuff? And he's like, don't worry about where I got it. Like, you know, but I can get, I can, I can get a lot of stuff if you need it or something, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think right before that, though, is because his kid, El Presidente's kid, is like the star of the team. Yeah, uh, Dave as, Jr., as the da- Davey. Davey, yeah. And as the dad says later in the episode, yeah, power hitting, power pitching, the kid's got it all. 
Um, <laughs> but but bef- yeah, so before El Presidente comes up, though, the Davy the kid like runs onto the field, and uh, Steve sees him, and he goes. How you doing, large guy? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And right. I like, I like that. Uh, I've never heard that before. I've heard big guy, um, right? But I, I, you know, I now I kind of want to say that to somebody, just say, "Hey, how you doing, large guy?" <laughs> it's so weird. It's so like, it's like they tried to write an alt, yeah, because it's either big, big guy or little man or, you yeah. know, um, yeah, but large guy, it's just weird. <laughs> um, so. So yeah, so so right, that's right. He does call him that, and like the kid's like a pitcher, like he's kind of like the star pitcher for the team, like. But yeah, he can do it all. But um, and yeah, it's you know, and then that's that's Presidente's son. Um, so so that kind of happens. There's one kid who comes out and he's like, "Hey, when are we getting new uniforms too?" You know, and like that that kid it turns out to be Noah, um, who says that uh, Noah plays a big part in this in this episode. Yeah, um, and there's a there's a, a side little side story with Noah's mom. Um, yes. She's like the team, you know. She brings in food for the team, but it's like this pretentious Beverly Hills food. Like you know, they bring in like dim sum, and they've got like you yeah. know, she's got like uh, a you know, a, 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 like cucumbers and stuff like it. Yeah, it's like it's like pretentious rich people food. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, that was a weird running storyline. So like, yeah, they're like. Hey, don't you know Noah's like Steve goes to Brandon and is like Noah's mom is always bringing food for the team and like yeah this particular episode it's like she's she brought dim sum and like they show her and she's like preparing like this like spread of food and they're like lunch grab some lunch kids and then like it cuts it cuts back or something and like Steve says like he's holding like a bowl of noodles and he's like yeah, this week it's dim sum. He's like, these noodles are amazing. And then did you hear the underscore after no, he said yeah, that? Yeah, I was just going to say, so he's got his bowl of noodles and chopsticks yeah. on this on the baseball field, and then it goes, Only in 1991. I know, man. Yeah, that was good stuff. I can't believe that that's in there. You know, I was reading that they like... Some of the episodes of Nano aren't on Hulu because so we should say too that we watched this episode on Hulu. If you have access to it, you can watch it along with us. Um, but uh, some of the episodes aren't on there, and they think it's because they didn't have like rights to some of the music. But it's like that one that one made it through no problem, I guess. <laughs> so what so go, what go is figure. what is that song, Jeremy? You know, I don't really know. I think I think I may have heard people talk about like where what is the actual origin of that thing. And it might be from a play or something. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm not really sure. I can't, I can't say off the top of my head, but you okay. know, it's classic racist Asian <laughs> underscore is, you know, how we, we can categorize it. But um, we should say too, before that, there was a really quick scene too, I think where they're back at the Walsh's house and um, they hear a commotion on the side of the house and, and Brenda looks and it's the dog again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, then, and and yeah. she says to the dog, she goes, "Get out of here before I call the pound." Um, she's talking to this dog like it's a person, and it can yes. understand her. Yeah, I know she has like full scene. Like if I was one, of, if I was one of the the series regulars, like um, who got kind of like squeezed out of this episode, I would be pissed because the dog had more like conversation, like dialogue uh, scenes than like a lot of the the series regulars. Oh, um, yeah. Definitely. Um, and you know, at the end of that scene where she says, where she's talking to the dog, she kisses it on the mouth, um, <laughs> which is and even though gross, it was man. rooting. This is a, 
stray dog. A stray dog that that that's eating garbage. Like the dog had tipped <laughs> over the garbage and was it was actually gnawing on like a, a raw piece of meat or something too. I was trying to I wanted to rewind it to see what it was eating, but it was something like pink and like or reddish pink or whatever. So and then she I just missed that she kissed it, but like she probably has like she probably got salmonella from from whatever that was or something or a parasite or something. But um, one thing about that dog, that dog is like it's it's comically dirty, and oh, yeah. like I remember she was saying like she's like it it occurs to her finally that it's a stray dog, even though the dog was like running loose through the the streets of Beverly Hills. But she's like, you don't have any tags or any collar or anything. Do you, like are you even do you even have a home and like. Um, I'm like, look at this dog, like Brenda, like this dog doesn't look Beverly Hills. This dog looks like this dog looks like the very trash it's, it's eating from, um, <laughs> which is weird because there's a little twist at the end, but, um, you know, so that, it, that might say something that, that like, that's like, um, you know, read between the lines sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, so the dog is like, uh, do is, is, is eating the garbage. So she's like, she's like, okay, well I have to take the dog in whatever. And, um, uh, I guess, is this where they're like at the kitchen table? Like, in yeah. Arguing? So the, they have a family argument in like yeah. the, in the house. And, yeah. uh, the, the scene is, uh, Brenda's trying to get Mr. Walsh to take this dog in. And Mr. Walsh gives the classic parents reason for not wanting a dog of, you know, if we get this dog, you know, you know, I'm the one who's going to have to end up taking care of it, walking it, et cetera, et cetera. And then it turns out he goes, he, he starts listing all of yes. the dogs she's had previously. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they've had at least three dogs. What happened to the other two is kind of, uh, it's not determined, but the third dog, yeah. his name was Mr. Pepper. Like, uh, Peppers. Brenda left him out in the yard, uh, in the wind, in the winter in Minnesota and the dog froze to death. <laughs> and then he died. Yeah, Mr. Peppers. That's uh, fro- fucked up, man. Yeah, right. That's crazy. Like, and and she's like, she's like, it wasn't my fault that he froze to death or something like that. Like, or like, how was I supposed to know he'd freeze? It was. It's like Jesus Christ. Like, that would be extremely right. traumatic for a child to have to go through that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just losing a dog like to natural causes is rough. But um, but yeah. So there's a gag where like they're arguing about baseball and like the dog, we keep hearing the dog whimper and then it turns out it's in the garage too. Um, but it was at this point, it was like, this episode is like comically juvenile, like, and uncharacteristically so for the show. So like, it was, like I said, I was telling Jack, it was a weird one to jump in on because you, your instinct was right. It is a dark show, but like you get these weird ones like this. And, um, honestly I could talk about it now, but the guy who directed it, I was like looking him up and um, he actually directed a couple, two more episodes this in this season, and they were also fucking bonkers episodes. There's one where like Brenda, like and Brenda Kelly and Donna go to a coffee house, and um, they see this girl, this like girl who's a little older than them, doing like this weird combination of like stand up comedy and like one person show type of thing. And like then Brenda gets like she's like enamored with this girl and she wants to move out of the house and she starts doing like this weird stand up spoken word thing and it's a fucking bonkers it's a bonkers episode um, and then the other episode is um, uh, Brendan Brandon like dates this girl and he finds out after he already goes on a date with her that she has a baby and like he has to like take care of this baby and it's just like it's those two episodes were bonkers I'm like this guy this guy this Bert Brinkeroff 
Brinkerhoff, like they must have brought him in for the crazy episodes. They're like, oh, we, we need Bert for this one. This one's too wacko. Um, so it, it was kind of funny. This one, this episode was just, it was just, it was just, it was just like farcical. Like, like the dad's hurt. He's angry. The he's arguing with the son. The daughter is like, like whiny and wants the bait. Then wants the 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 dog. And the mom is just trying to like keep it all under control. And it's like it's just chaotic. Yeah, it was like there's yeah a lot lot going on. A, a dog's death is played for laughs. It's uh, <laughs> it's weird stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, after this after this argument ends, it's like the next day, and they're about to play a a game um, with the uh, uh, so they're gonna. I think this is the part where they they're gonna play the. Turns out that the guy that owns the peach pit. Yeah, Nat. Yeah, he he also coaches like this team of like this ragtag team of minority kids like yes. um the south side like not the south side uh uh wherever the whatever bet whatever the uh yeah the, the valley maybe the, or something uh, the valley yeah yeah um, but yeah like there's they're at the peach pit and like nat just like uh like brandon asks like to like call off a of work uh to like because he's like Nat, i'm coaching this team i you know i might need to switch days and, and nat goes like Take as much time as you want, which is like crazy. It's like, oh, you're coaching a little league team. Take as much time as you need. And then he's like something like, yeah, well, I'll be at the park tomorrow. And like Nat says, like, I'll be at the park, too. I'm coaching my own little league team. And it's like it's like revealed that Nat like that Nat coached a little league team this whole time and and no one knew about it. And he's like, do me a favor. He's like, I'll let you take the time off as long as you play our team in an exhibition game. And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah, and so then they like show up at the at the park, and like it is like it's all like it's all like kids of color that Nat like yes the the ethnic team is what I wrote in my notes, <laughs> um, and it's like yeah so of course like it's like the ethnic team versus the Beverly Hills team, um, and yeah they are like totally like a ragtag group of kids, um, but uh, yeah so. There's a couple even before that though. There's a little bit. I think this is before the actual game. They've, we've set up that uh, that it's going to happen, but um, before that, they're like they. It, it's. They're, I think they're just at the park and they're practicing maybe again. And um, Steve once again catches the kid. Like he he goes up to the kid Crawford and he's like picking any good ones today, Crawford. Something like that. Like he yeah. makes another um, joke uh, like about eating boogers. And so then like, he says like, seriously, Brandon, like we need to trade this kid. And, and he's like, I'm going to go talk to Dave and see if we can, if we can trade him, which is crazy. Like, so he goes in and like, Brandon's like, don't do that, man. Like, you know, give him a break. And he's like, no, we got to trade him. And he's like, I'll be right back. So he goes to, he goes to talk to, to this Dave guy about, apparently he has like the, the uh, jurisdiction to trade kids from little league teams. It mean, meanwhile, the mom who like has the food comes up to Brandon and she's like, have you tried the sou- souvlaki, which is like a, a Greek dish. And like, you know, I think um, they look at it and they're like, uh, okay, you know, whatever. Um, so that happens. Um, yeah. It, it was just this weird running gag about yuppie food that these people probably eat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, one thing I'm gonna say about the uh, the Crawford thing. So yeah, Crawford is a little kid who's picking his nose, yeah. and uh, you know Steve Steve keeps picking on him, and that that must be like traumatic. It's gonna be traumatic for that Crawford kid, like in later years. Like mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna grow up and just think the Steve kid was such an asshole, and he's never gonna forget about it. Um, yes. When I was like when I was uh, uh, in. Uh, 
middle school, um, not middle school, it was like sixth or seventh grade or whatever. I played like peewee football for uh, for like a year. And they had, uh, there was this one kid on the team who was like an, or he was an assistant coach. Um, I shouldn't call him a kid. He And he went to like, you know, I don't know if he went to UW-Whitewater or something, but it was like he was out of high school and he was like just getting into like coaching peewee football. And he, he was an assistant coach. But he was just a huge like fucking asshole to all of the to all of the kids. I think his name was like Coach Rudy or something. <laughs> but like you know, he was just this like uh, he was just this douchebag like you know uh, college like bro. Um, and like you know, he he certainly didn't look like he played football anymore. Uh, he looked like he'd already started to go to fat from too much beer. Um, <laughs> right. And like you know, this guy was a fucking loser, man. Like he would he would just chew out like. Uh, just chew out like sixth grade kids for shit and uh like he would come to like the high school football games uh it's like dude you're in college and you're coming to the like your high your old high school's football games like you're a fucking loser man um (laughs) so that yeah that's what that uh you know that's what that's probably what uh steve is gonna is is coming off like you know yeah for sure no it's i mean it's it's crazy. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I wouldn't even w- want to speculate what would happen nowadays, um, like to, to with that sort of bullying. But um, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fucked up. And like, I mean, like, Jesus Christ. I mean, like, and not only if say, even if Crawford's parents are there, some parents should should be saying something, or one of the kids should be saying. It's just it's crazy. Um, and it's weird that it's about boogers. It's weird that the writers chose boogers. Like that he eats his boogers is, is like, that's like the, that's the running, that's the issue. Like that they need to get rid of this team, like this, this kid, like some, some players are, are uh, selfish. Some kids don't pay attention. This kid eats his boogers. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so that happens. Let's a quick look at the park. We cut back to the, the Walsh's house and we see a scene where uh, Brenda is trying to train a Wally. She's there with Kelly and Donna and um, it's just not going well. They they really start remarking on how dumb the dog is for some reason. Mm-hmm. And they've also named it Wally at this point. Um, and like, yeah, they're just like, this is the dumbest dog I've ever seen. Like everyone keeps calling the dog dumb, which is, again, he's like the Crawford of, of dogs, I guess. <laughs> um, so, so that's pretty bad. And that's, that's kind of like the whole thing in that scene. But then we go back to the park again, I think. And um, we see Davey uh, playing catch with Brandon and um he's like hey brandon like want to see my curveball and brandon goes well i don't know davy we might want to stay away from the breaking stuff right now you know don't want to hurt your arm which is that's a funny thing that they put in there yeah didn't uh um you know didn't our our friend um the minor leaguer uh say mm-hmm. that it it wasn't um uh, uh bad for folks to throw breaking stuff for kids to throw breaking stuff i can't remember if he said it was bad or like or, I mean, I, I mean, it, it, it wasn't bad. It's like it's not. It's not bad. It's actually like a right. myth. Right. Yeah. I. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if I can't remember if he said. Is that what he said? Uh. Yeah. 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 I believe he said it was. It was like totally. It was fine. You know. And that's just like a, a myth that's been going on for years. Yeah. I remember. I remember that as a kid, and I was. I. I always wanted an explanation. I'm like, why? Why is it bad? Like, no. I still actually don't even know. It's like, is it something about like your like? I guess. I guess, I mean, like, I guess knowing what we know now, like about like the, um, you know, UCL or something, I guess maybe that's what the point is. But like, no one ever could explain why it was bad. I feel like back, back in the day when they said that. 
But it was, you know, that that did that did stick out to me. And then, yeah, the kid was like, well, no, yeah, no one's ever told me not to push myself as hard as I could before. So they have this kind of, you know, I guess I guess you could call it a nice moment. Um, and is this before the game with the guy from the Peach Pit? Um, yeah, I think this was either. Um, it's weird. I don't remember this much back and forth going on, but my notes have it like I have some baseball stuff and then some dog stuff and et cetera, et cetera. But um yeah, this is this is yeah this is, the game isn't isn't yet actually. Uh, okay. So this is more just more practice stuff uh, because okay so that scene happens with them playing catch. Uh, I made a note that Davey has like a crazy lisp uh, too. Um, at least in that scene, he <laughs> I did. didn't. I didn't catch that. He did. He's like, thanks, Brandon, for helping me. Like it was, it was, it was like very uh, noticeable, but uh, or it was very like uh, over the top, I guess. But um, but then like so then like Steve comes back over to uh, Brandon and he's like. All right, it's all set. We're trading Crawford for Kenny Kessler. Yeah. And as if like, okay, so first of all, okay, I guess the trade went through the 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 league office, which is uh Dave Presidente Dave, um, like approved this trade somehow. I guess they don't have to talk to the parents or anything. It's like the parents are like, you know, not all teams play on the same day or have practice the same day. So like now the kid, like, you know. He's gonna have to change his practice schedule and all this stuff. And who the hell is Kenny Kessler? And why do the other coaches know who he is and know his first and last name? Yeah, I was uh, gonna say that that should be a question Brandon should have asked. Like, who's Kenny Kessler? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but then Steve goes like, "Can you believe it? Like, now we got Davy and and Noah, and we we're gonna get Kenny Kessler." He's like, "We're going straight to the top," or something like that. And it was just like, okay, I mean, I guess you know. I guess uh, he's done his scouting on, on Kenny Kessler. So, uh, and then I don't know. I also don't know why whoever, whatever team Kenny Kessler is on, they would agree to trade him for Crawford. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a bad trade, dude. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It seems to not make sense unless uh, you know, unless they were just trying to dump salary. Yeah, I, I was guess. gonna say, does Kenny Kessler also suck? Like you know, right? Does he... Well, not according to Steve. Like he was gonna be a piece for for the. Uh, for the Dukes, we should say that the team is called the Dukes, also. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he was speaking of him as if he were a piece. So like, I, yeah, it might have just been a salary dump or, or something. Uh, for that, for maybe that, that maybe that's what the scene um, between like you know the Padres executives was like uh, when they <laughs> traded Shields for Tatis Jr. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna have Tatis Jr. and yeah, exactly. Um, so so Brandon is mad about that um, about the trade. He thinks it's it's immorally wrong, which or or immorally wrong, and and uh, I would tend to agree with him. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, we cut back to the Walshes again, and now Wally uh, Wally won't stop barking. He just keeps barking. We see like that he chewed up uh, the dad's slippers or the, his shoes or whatever. Um, but but Brandon, while this is happening, Brandon and the dad are having a, a an argument. And um, they're basically like the dad is saying, like, Brandon, you're too critical of these kids. Like, like Brandon is like having like a problem and it's like the dad just isn't like having any of it. It, it really doesn't make any like the dad is like clearly this is where this is like where the scene gets like really manic. Like everyone's like yelling at each other. The dog is barking and like it, it it's just it's crazy mania. Um and uh, the mom like yells and she's like, all right, this is what's going to happen. Like, you're going to like work it out. 
Brenda, you're going to like take care of the dog. And if it, if it stops, like if it get, becomes a problem, we're going to get rid of it, blah, blah, blah. And like all this stuff. And, uh, it turns out, I don't know. At some point, like Brenda, like brings the dog in the house when like the dog wouldn't stop barking, but now it's in the house, which like, how is that a solution? I don't know. But, um, you know, so, you know, now the dog is in the house and like, she's, she's getting more attached to it, even though it's still behaving poorly. Um, but now I think uh, Jack is where like the actual like Nats team shows up and they have the the game. Um, so the the Dukes show up and they're in these like uh, yellow and black uniforms, yellow and gold uniform or gold and black uniforms, uh, much like the Pirates of the '80s. Uh, and they're they're looking good and they're playing Nats team who are just wearing like a bunch of like just street clothes. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was gonna say, Jeremy, I guess before we t- talk about this game, like there, there was an, a long area be- between, like uh, I, I guess I had a note about you know trading Crawford for Kenny Kessler, but okay, okay, there, there's about there's about ten minutes in this episode we were having trouble recounting it where like nothing nothing happens, like <laughs> right, none right. of the none of the plot lines are advanced. I mean, I guess they had to fill forty five minutes for you know twenty two or twenty three episodes a season, but like there was a lot of. <laughs> There is a lot of time in this episode where there's just nothing. There's no progression of the plot to the point yeah. where I was I was almost like, uh, like what what is going to be the the through line of this like of this coaching storyline? Like what's what's actually happening here? And we we find that out in this next scene where it's the the haves versus the have-nots. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, like the pro, it's almost like that scene from the Sandlot where yeah, the kids yeah. from the Sandlot play that like rich team with the uniforms. Um, only I guess in this, in this episode here of 90210, you're seeing it from the, uh, the perspective of like the rich kids in the uniforms and, uh, you know, the, the, the poor kids without uniforms are secondary characters and they just get their asses whipped. Um, so, but anyway, you know, the, the game is going on and, uh, Noah, uh, the kid whose mom brings in weird food, he's being an asshole. He's at second base and he's taunting one of the, the poor kids uh, I think like the the kid who's the second baseman, like the that the poor yep. kid kept making errors and Manny. like was ter- what what Manny, yeah, Manny was yeah, Manny's his name. Uh, and uh, the poor kid kept making errors, and uh, Noah was taunting him. He's like, "Yeah, you're a loser." And then he you says, know, "Hey, doofus, you're a real toad." <laughs> um, and so Jason Priestley uh, is watching from the sidelines, and he doesn't like that. So he wants to take Noah out, but then Steve objects to that, and then like Jason Priestley and Steve, Brandon and Steve get in a fight, and then Brandon leaves. Um, uh, and so yeah, that happened. I wrote in my notes. I was like, uh, you know, is Priestley like you know Tony Larusa? Like he doesn't like uh, you know he doesn't like any flashiness. He doesn't like you know he's he's <laughs> he he abides by the unwritten rules. You know, you just play the game. You don't talk trash. You, you're not flashy. You don't celebrate. <laughs> You know, it is weird. It's like there was a lot of things in this episode where, like, this was <laughs> it seemed like everyone else was bucking against the unwritten rules except for Brandon. Like, Brandon and Brandon was like kind of following him because, yeah, like he he kind of tries to show up. So, like, yeah, okay, so uh, Noah like hits this this ball like down the first baseline. I gotta say, his swing was he was late on that fucking ball too. Like, he fucking like. Like unless he was directionally hitting it like Ichiro Suzuki, like he he like was late on a ball and like he like hits it like down the first base line. It looked like it was down the first base line. The second baseman fields it, who's Manny. And Manny, I gotta say, say what you want about Noah and the taunting and whatever. It's wrong to call kids a toad or a doofus. But f- this fucking Manny kid 
airmails his ball like no one's ever airmailed a ball from second base. It's almost like he has the yips. Um, he like throw <laughs> through like it Sachs. like yeah. He like threw it into like the parking lot. Like he threw it like he 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 had like a you know like I don't know like a a, a twenty foot throw and he like threw it like like across the diamond but like over the side wall and into like you know no man's land so and then like so and and you know the kid says like you're a doofus you're a doofus um and and that's when all this stuff happens but brandon actually does go out and like tries to pull him mid-inning like tries to show him up on the field and like and take him out and he's like i'm not i'm not taking going out until coach steve tells me to go out and then like then yeah pretty much like i think steve goes like He's like, don't you think, like Brandon says to Steve, like, don't you think you should be taken out? And Steve goes like, well, yeah, but, you know, we don't have to embarrass him. And then, like, he's like, you know, think about, like, what you're doing here. And, like, they show, like, the mom in the stands and and uh, Dave, President Day Dave. And so, um, like, then Brandon gets pissed and quits, right? Like, so and walks off. And you say that this is, like, where the through line of the, of the coaching uh, storyline, like, progresses. But, like... It also like we'll see in the end that it it's, it feels like it, it didn't actually even matter really, um, but we'll we'll get to that I suppose. But but yeah, so like so we we leave it at that basically, and I think we go to like a commercial break. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were saying yeah something. yeah, and I, I think the next scene um, is in the the peach pit itself. Uh, yeah, with... we got a thing here where like Brenda like doesn't take Wally back. Like she's supposed to like take Wally in, but she hasn't. So she's like getting it, you know, further attached to the dog. Oh, okay, okay. Is that the scene between her and the mom? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. All right, yeah. I remember that one. And then, uh, and then, yeah. Now, now we got the. Is it? This is the scene where the the peach pit manager. I I call him Al. What was his actual name? It was Nat. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you know, him him and Brandon are talking, and uh, this is when this is when Nat starts to tell Brandon about Manny. And yeah, it like, actually, yeah. there was there was one real quick scene before that, uh, Jack, which again is not doesn't further the plot along, but it's it's Brandon and the dad fighting again, um, and Brandon says like, well, you know what, like I I don't uh, maybe I just shouldn't be the coach, and the dad says like, all right, well you can quit, but not until my back is better, uh, so you know, and he's like, well when's that gonna be, and he's like, I don't know, hopefully for the next game or something, so it's like. Is like was that is that really a solution? It's like okay, you can quit, but you but you still have to go until I'm better. Which is that's the whole point. That's the whole reason why he's in the situation to begin with. So it's really weird. And the whole thing about this is like, it seems like bizarre world because it's like no one with any sort of knowledge, basic like baseball knowledge or philosophy, would be arguing with Brandon. It's like Brandon is so clearly in the right here. Like I could see Steve like maybe not getting it, but like the dad, if the dad has any sort of baseball acumen, he would understand what happened and why Brandon did what he did. Like yeah. If, if the Noah. dad had any sort of parenting acumen, he would yeah. understand it. It's weird. It was very out of character for him because he tries to be, you know, the parents are like supposed to be like good role models and everything. And it's like, I don't understand where the, the problem here was, but, but I think what it is is that Jim is so messed up because his back hurts that he's like being irrational. Um, and so it's funny because his back gets better later on the episode. And then he turns back into normal Jim. So, for a while there, I was thinking like he was kind of crazy, but then I'm like, was he just so good at acting like with a guy with a back ailment that he was like being completely irrational? And now that it's it feels better, he's actually like he can think straight. Like it's kind of funny. And like I was like, maybe he's either horrible or a genius. <laughs> One of those things uh, 
acting acting you know value statements right right what is his name james eckhouse james eckhouse is his real name yeah and uh nice. jim walsh yeah Lo- but, love it but um, yeah so yeah so we go to this thing we, we we now yeah we cut to the peach pit and it's brandon and nat talking and uh one thing that that's kind of funny uh, at the beginning in this throwaway line, I don't know if you noted this one, Jack, but I wrote like, so Brandon goes like, like, okay. Yeah. Cause like you hear knocking and Nat goes like, no, the peach pits closed. Like go away. And it's like, he keeps knocking and he answers the door and it's Brandon. And Brandon goes like, sorry, Nat, I, t- I called your house and your sister said you were, you were here. And it's like, so Nat lives with his sister. I, I was like, going to say Nat, Nat seems like the kind of guy who would live with his sister. I I guess so. Like he's like, it's weird. Like his like his character, because like he was like kind of like an ancillary character. And I remember later on in the in the show, he actually gets like a a title card in the opening credits. Like he becomes a series regular at some point. Um, but like yeah, he's they don't really make him out to be a loser. Like he's just kind of like like a lovable like everybody's friend kind of guy. But like so. I mean, I could see that, but like, it was weird. Cause he's like a, a guy clearly in his like, maybe like mid fifties, maybe late fifties. Yeah. And like, apparently like the way that that line came across, it's like, Oh, Nat lives with his sister. That's weird. Yeah. Well, they, they say he's from Pittsburgh. So, and I did, like that's Did he revealed. say that? Or did he say yeah. that the shirts were from Pittsburgh? I thought he said I the think he said him. that he like, they, you know, whatever the shirts said, it was like the pits or something like yeah. that. He's, I think he said it was because he's from Pittsburgh. I thought he said it's because they're from Pittsburgh, and like I thought he meant the shirts, but oh, okay. I, I mean, that could be. I, I, yeah. I assume that he was, you know, he was from Pittsburgh, but uh, you know, I don't remember, I be... yeah, I don't remember what his storyline is really, like his backstory, but because I, th- I, that line stood out to me because I'm like, the shirts are from Pittsburgh, but yeah, I could be wrong too, I don't know. Um, but yeah, his team, when they do eventually get jerseys, they're, they're called the pits with two T's. Well, yeah, yeah. Which I guess, you know, is also a play on, on how, on how bad they are. Um, but, uh, in this scene, Brandon and Manny are talking, uh, Brandon and Nat are talking and then the subject of Manny comes up and, uh, Nat, Nat tells the story about how Manny has been in and out of foster homes. And, you know, even though he's bad at baseball, it's like, he's the last kid in the world that you you want to make fun of and I, I feel like um whenever you want to build sympathy for a for a character in something you just say yep. that they've been in and out of foster homes yeah um, totally i'll never forget when batista who's a you know a big actor now in hollywood debuted in the wwe uh he, he like he started off with this stable uh and he was it was batista triple h and rick flair and uh, i think they called themselves the uh the evolution um and uh like it was like Batista's first appearance, and he was backstage, and, and Ric Flair comes up to him, and he's like, Now, Batista, I know you've been in and out of foster homes. Um, and it's just like, what? And they never me- they never mentioned that again. Like, yeah, yeah they, they, they said Batista's been in and out of foster homes. They never said it again. But, yeah, anytime you want a just real cheap way of, uh, of developing sympathy for a character, you just give them that background. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And <clears throat> to make it even worse, uh, it's kind of funny because, like, Brandon's, Brandon comes in and he's like, Ned, I'm sorry about what happened at the game. And he's like, well, Brandon, it got even worse after you left. Manny made another error and broke down and started crying right there on the field. <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> it's, it's like, 
he already made like one error and then like they don't even give them the dignity of of having him act out the other scene where he like makes another error and starts crying on the field so um jack real quick aside i know we're this episode's kind of getting long but like do you have any good memories of like kids crying in little league um yeah one one time uh uh uh, I was I was at first base and um, I was throwing like warm up gr- infield between innings and mm-hmm. I accidentally hit the pitcher <laughs> I hit the pitcher and <laughs> like the leg and he started crying. <laughs> oh no, really? Oh yeah, I don't want to dox I don't want to dox the kid, but uh, yeah, oh, oh yeah, he started crying. Oh Jesus! And that's it wasn't funny. a hard throw, and I hit him sure. in like the calf. Yeah. Well, so, that- you know, that's on him. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. That's not even that. That one is like, you know, at least it was like a it was like a physical reaction. The crying was a, a reaction to something physical. I remember there was a kid on my team. I'll I'll dox him only because I'm not 100 percent sure I remember his name, but his name, I think his name was Leo. And he was like kind of our pitcher. I think he was kind of like our, our pitcher, like our go to pitcher. And he was having a bad game and they pulled him and they put him over to shortstop or something. But I remember the kid like threw the glove. He threw his glove on the ground and started crying. And like he like did like the cartoonish sulky like shoulders like sunken down shoulders like slunk over to shortstop. And he he was crying on the field and he was like kicking his glove in the dirt. He like kicked it all the way from the pitcher's mound to shortstop. And he was like, "Uh," and he was like crying. And and like I think the coach was like, come on, Leo, like like, you know pull it together or something. And like, he was having like a little fit, like breakdown, like on the field because he was upset about getting knocked around and getting pulled. Um, and kind of threw like a little tantrum, like on the field. Um, sure. And I, re- I remember thinking, I remember thinking, I'm like, well, he's a good pitcher, but I'm like, that's, that ain't the way to, to look like that's a bad look. <laughs> and like, I wasn't good. Like I was, I was, I was bad than good than bad than good than bad. Like in my five years of, of little league, I said that before. And like, but I never cry. I gotta say, I never cried. Like I was like, as bad as I feel, and as you know, like I made the last out, like in um my first year of little league of the season, like in the championship game, and it's like I wanted to cry, but I'm like I can't cry, man. It's like I'm I'm upset, but I I I, I at least can't cry, and mm-hmm. I managed to like not do that, which I, I was proud of. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, like seeing like the kids cry, I was like, man, it's like. I think I'm better than that kid, even though he's better at me than baseball. It's like, at least I didn't cry and not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's like, you just don't, you just can't do that. Like you got to just try to keep it together, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, that same kid that I hit with the ball, he once cried after he struck out for the last out of a game too. So this, you know, this, this this guy was just a cry baby. Yeah. You know, it it happens. It's, you know, it's (laughs) kids are allowed to cry, but like, it's like, I mean, one way you could take it is like it's not worth crying about. Like it's just a yeah. game or something. But no, but anyway. I mean, what's what's funny now is I think this kid's like he's like rich and he's got a hot wife. So you know, <laughs> I guess I guess I guess that uh, you know that didn't uh, play out for anything. Sure. Well, yeah. Or at least you got that one on him. I guess. <laughs> you didn't cry. But yeah. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so so th- this whole conversation about Matt and Manny and all this stuff, like. It, it it's teases us that like Brandon is like going to like help out Nat's team. Like he's like kind of done with, with uh, the, the, the Dukes and he's going to help out Nat's team. And like, it's like, it's kind of like it. Yeah. So whatever. So then they get like, they talk to uh, uh, Dylan and like, they kind of get him um, on board. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, that yeah, actually D- Dylan and Dylan is that now going to be coaching the pits. And so yeah. what you think is, oh, Brandon is going to also be coaching the pits too. Like that's where this is going. Like it's going to be Brandon and all these like poor kids versus uh, Steve and Brandon's dad and like all these rich kids. Okay, that's what it's going to be. But somehow like Brandon, you know, they're, they they the two teams end up playing another game together, and Brandon somehow yeah. ends up coaching the Dukes again. And it's because of this conversation that Brandon has with his dad, where his dad's like. You know, they're all they're all in the living room or the kitchen, like having a talk, and then everybody leaves to go to bed. And then, like, the dad comes back and he's like, "Hey, Brandon, who are you riding with tomorrow?" And Brandon's yeah. like, oh, "I guess I was gonna ride with Dylan." And you know, the dad's like, "Oh yeah, okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, if you want to ride with me, you can." And then they have this scene, and then and then Brandon's like, "I'll ride with you, Dad." So it's like I, I guess he's not gonna be coaching the pits then. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was it was weird. Um, um, so like, yeah, it, the, a little bit details about that, that scene is like, uh, Brandon comes home and Steve is like in the living room with Brandon's dad and they're like, Hey, come on, Brandon, we're making the lineup. And like, it's like, he had to come over like, you know, to, to this guy's house to like sit down and make the lineup for the team. It's like not even, not major league coaches don't even do stuff like that. They like get to the park early, sit in their office and make the lineup. But, but Steve actually came over to the house and they're making the lineup. And then like, you know, they, they cancel the second game because like it was such a, a drubbing. Um, and then, uh, there's a change of heart. Steve, like Steve is like, Hey, you know what? Call Nat. Like, let's put the game back on. And he's like, why? And he's like, well, when we clobber these nerd balls, it'll be good for team morale. <laughs> Which again, is just like, Jesus, like let's, let's, you know, can we take it a little down, take it down a couple notches of Steve being just like a meathead. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that happens. Brandon does at some point they, they try to get the dog adopted. Oh yeah. Uh, Kelly or, uh, uh, Brenda is on the phone trying to get the dog adopted too at some point. Um, so that happens. We don't know who she's on, she's on the phone with. Uh, but then we see, uh, Brandon talking to Dylan about helping the team. Um, and it's like, again, like wh- who is Dylan? Is he like, is he like the bagger Vance of baseball? Like, is he some sort of like baseball sage or something? Like, is he like Connie Mack or something? <laughs> um, but like, so, so that happens. Then we cut to a scene, um, where I think it's in the garage and it turns out that Kelly was talking or, um, uh, that Brenda was talking to David Silver and it's David Silver who's coming to adopt the dog. Um, which is funny if you know the show because he's just like a nerdy kid trying to get in with the cool group, the cool older group. And he's like, he's going so far as to like adopt this dog. And then he says like, can you get me a date with Kelly Taylor? Um, as part of like his reward for taking the dog. And, uh, Brenda says like, you know what? I'll find someone else to adopt him. Um, cause she's mad. Um, which is funny because a couple episodes ago, David Silver did get a date with Kelly Taylor for doing a good deed for her. So it was, it was a weird thing where it's like, he's still trying to get another date with her now, I guess. But, um, but yeah, it was, it turns out that uh, like Brandon and Dylan and Nat are all talking about the team and they're like, well, we need a pitcher. Like we, you know, we have a problem. Like they're, he's like, they're getting better, but we have a problem. Like we still need a, a kid who can throw it over the plate. And then Brandon goes, Hey, uh, you know, He's like, hold on, let me call Andrea. And he calls up uh, Andrea, and he's like, hey, do you still know that blue chip ball player? Like, 
um, or whatever. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, Avery. Yeah. Can you, uh, get them? Can you get them to come to the park? Uh, and so like, it's like, oh, okay. So that thing that happened early on in the episode with Andrea, knowing this randomly, knowing this kid is now paying off because this kid is now going to go become the pitcher for the pits. Yeah. Um, and you know, there, there's quite a twist that, that goes along, along with that. So that <laughs> there they, is. they finally, uh, you know, we finally well, get to the park. Ho- well, hold on, hold on. Cause there's, um, before that, uh, we see like, uh, Brenda and the mother are talking and they're like, yeah, you know, hey, Wally's been really quiet all day. Like, we haven't heard him barking, so he must be getting better. And then they go to the garage and they see that Wally has, like, escaped. Like, the door has been left open and Wally has run away. So all the work that Brand- Brenda has been putting into to Wally is now, you know, gone because Wally has run away again. So um, we, uh, you know, we know that. They go look for Wally and they can't find him. Um, and now I think, yeah, now it's time, like, that we get to the, we get to the ballpark here for the big game. Um, there's an umpire that looks like Joe West there, which yeah. was interesting. Yeah, and he was wearing like a real umpire uniform too, like the blue shirt and like the gray pants and the the hat. It's like for all the kids, like you know, I, I mean, I guess the I guess the Dukes had like some like legit uniforms, but even in Little League, the umpires never looked that real. They never looked that authentic. No. No, and yeah, not only did they not look that real in terms of uniform, but they didn't look that real in terms of like what the actual man who was the umpire looked like. <laughs> exactly, yeah. At best, it was like a guy in his like 30s or, or early 40s who like probably like had alcohol, like the smell of beer on his breath, um, <laughs> but but in like an earring and like stubble. But like um, most likely it was like a teenager or something, like some kid like, oh, mister, I'll be your umpire. Like, right. Like, that kind of thing so it was never this guy was like this guy seemed like he was like you know uh a ringer from the mlb or something but just the, he was an umpire he was yeah he was like hustling as an umpire but, uh, yeah. yeah um so yeah the the you know it, it's the pits versus the dukes round two the pits have shirts this time um and then so the game the game begins and then right as the game begins avery the ringer comes in and she takes off her baseball hat and well i guess it's a she um you see that she's got long hair and it's a girl um and so she steps up to the plate and immediately hits a home run so it's like you know now here we go 1991 like the ultimate insult uh you're getting you're getting beat by a girl yeah, uh, exactly. Um, and it's also funny, too, because Avery is, like, ra- rounding the bases, <clears throat> and she's, like, coming into third base. And I don't know if you noticed this, Jack, but she took her helmet off. And in my league, that would have been an automatic out. Really? Because um, that happened to me. That's why. Um, so I know that. Um, and I was like, shit. Like, you know, yeah, she, she would have been out if she took her helmet off. Like, you didn't have that rule in your league, No, Jack? I don't think so. It, that was a, such a bullshit rule. Like, I was... Um, I I was on third base and uh, like the bases were loaded or something and, and a kid walked and so I came in from third base to score but I was like trotting into home and I was doing it like really like smooth um, and like I got like two steps away from home plate and I like, took the helmet off and just like kind of like trotted into the dugout and like I was high fiving my teammates and then like I heard I heard the ump go like he's out and we were like what and he's like he took his helmet off he's out. And I was like, what? And like, that was, I was, that was like the one moment where I was like, you know, like, you know, like when like a pitcher, a player gets called out on strikes and then they're like kind of making the face at the ump, like in the dugout uh-huh. or whatever. Or like when they get thrown out, they make that face. I was like doing that. And I, was like, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that that happened. And I felt like such an asshole, but I also was like, 
no, it's not my fault. That rule is stupid. Um, and everyone was, a, was incensed about it. Um, and, uh, I remember the next time I scored, like I crossed home, my, the, my teammates ran up to me and like held my helmet on my head. It was, it was kind of funny. Nice. Um, yeah. But like, they were like, keep the helmet on. And like, they were, they were like holding it on my head. Um, but, uh, stupidest rule. I like, I was, I'm still pissed off about that one. Uh, hey, you know. at least you didn't cry. It's true. I didn't cry. Yeah. I got mad. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't get upset. I was like, I was like pissed. But um, but yeah, so that was I thought that was interesting. Um, I'll say we should say before that too, before the game even starts, um, the the Dukes are all huddled up again, like talking. Brandon has re- returned now, and he's he's a he's a Duke. He's he's still wearing the the, the black and gold, and um, he's talking to the team. And of course, Noah starts making fun of Manny again. He's like, "Hey, there's that doofus again. Hey, doofus. Hey, doofus." And like Brandon yells at him. And then he like yells at the team and he's like, listen, guys, he's like, if you, um, he's like, uh, what did he say? It was something like, you know, you guys, you guys are set to be the best, but if you, uh, don't respect the other team, like you're going to be the worst or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, it was just like, I think Brandon has lost the clubhouse. (laughs) (laughs) It was clear that Brandon had lost the clubhouse. Like the kids, it's like the kids were all like hyped up, getting ready to play. And then Brandon was like, he's like you know, whatever you guys think you're so hot shit, but like you're a bunch of assholes. And like, you know, it doesn't matter if you win because you're like losers at heart, essentially is what he was trying to say. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's not going to go over well with the team. Like, you know, I think you got to find a different way to do that. Um, but, but yeah, so anyway, so that's, so then the game happens in Avery. Like, I think it's one, nothing maybe. And then Avery hits a Homer to tie it up. I think, uh, actually, I think Avery led off the game with a homer, but then then somehow they they tied it up. Okay, uh, then or, maybe, and then maybe they scored two runs, I guess. Yeah, the, the, they the they scored two runs, and it's like two to one. Um, yeah. And then so there's just kind of a montage of baseball playing back and forth, and then finally, uh, I think it gets to like the bottom of the sixth inning, which is like you know it's six innings for a, a little league game, I guess, in this league. And we um, got Crawford makes an appearance here. Oh um, yeah. So so De- so El Presidente goes up to to Jim Walsh and he's like uh, you know how things are going or how are things going or, or like maybe it's actually Jim Walsh is talking to Brandon and he's like all right we're going well and he's like is there anyone who hasn't co- come in the game yet and uh, Brandon goes like Crawford hasn't and then he's like all right Crawford you go out to right field and then that's where like then uh, Tom Bosworth's kid comes in and he's on the bench and El Presidente goes up to Jim and he's like. It'd be a shame to lose this game if, with Tom Tom Bosworth's son on the bench. And what he, what does he say about Tom? He's like some kind of big. big yeah, I think he's something. some kind of some kind of big shot somewhere. Yeah, or he's like, yeah, I help, I work with Tom or whatever, and like he's yeah, whatever. Um, so so that happens, you know, and so so Bosworth's kid comes out, and Crawford's in right field. Um, Avery comes up now for the uh, for the pits, and yeah, they're down two one, and she gets a base hit. Yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, so she gets a base hit, and then uh, I think after that, uh, Brandon uses a mound visit. To, what's yeah. the pitcher's name? Is it Davey? It's Davey, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Brandon uses a mound visit to go talk to Davey and then be like, hey, hey, man, like, no pressure, whatever. And then he goes back. Um, he's like, yeah, there's no pressure in this game. Um, you know, again, like, this goes back to, oh, nobody's ever told me not to push myself before. Mm-hmm. Um, so then mm-hmm. he goes back. But then I, I I wrote down Brandon uses two mound visits because like yeah. he, he, he actually, goes he, he goes right because like, Manny comes up to the plate and then Brandon immediately new, uses another mound visit 
to to talk to Brandon about how to pitch to Manny. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he the whole infield comes into this in for this mound visit, and Brandon goes, "All right, so here's my prediction: the kid's gonna strike out on three pitches, um, which is pretty fucking harsh, man. <laughs> it is. It is. Jesus. Yeah. Um. So then I guess I guess he, he just like. Oh, and then he also says, and here's my other prediction. No one on this team is going to give him a hard time about doing it. Right. Which is like pretty like, – That's he finally got his like moment. He still shit on Manny in the process of telling him that. <laughs> but like he, he finally said like, you know, I think that's a way to lay it down. It's like you're not going to make fun of him. Like that's the bottom line, you know, because Brandon Walsh said so. But, um, but he also shits on Manny. He's like the kid's going to strike out. We all know that. Um, but, but yeah, so that was pretty funny, but, but yeah, like, first of all, I want to know how many mound visits they have remaining, but also (laughs) Jack, it's two, it's two mound visits in the same half inning. Yeah. So that means automatic pitching change. Yeah. 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 You can't, you can't do that. Um, it's two, it's two mound visits before a a pitch even gets thrown, I think. Right. And I don't think you literally can do that. Like, no, no. And so like, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of rule playing fast and, and, and loose in the, in Presidente, uh, Dave's. Um, league here. We should also say that they only call him Presidente like once. <laughs> but I yeah, just like <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm just thinking about Dennis Martinez. But there's yeah. There, there's, I don't know the guy what the guy's character's actual name was. So yeah, I think we it might was well Dave. It was Dave Edwards or Dave something. But like, it didn't really matter because again, the character was underwritten and underdeveloped. So <laughs> other than he was just like a hotshot in like a tracksuit. But um, but yeah. So so Manny's up now. And um, yeah, he says all that stuff to him. Noah is calling him a peewee doofus again. Hey, peewee doofus! And I'm like, man, even Noah is over the top for for that kind of character. Like that kind of character exists. Like kind of like Squints from from the Sandlot, but evil. But he was like over. He was he's kind of like Farkas from like a Christmas story. Um, uh, and it's just like it, or. Uh, uh, yeah, Scott Farkas. So like, it's just like, but he was even over the top for for those for that kind of like bully character. I thought. Um, and so then like, uh, Davy Junior. Davy's like winding up to throw the pitch, or like he's getting ready to throw the pitch, and we hear through voiceover, we hear Brandon saying like, "The way you treat your competition like says more about you than like you know the way you win the game or something like, or than winning the game." Some some kind of like quote like that. But Jack. I don't think Brandon ever said that in the episode, did he? <laughs> yeah, man. Maybe it was just something that, like, no, I, I don't recall that he ever said that specific line. Yeah, it seems it was, like it's just a, an amalgamation of like a bunch of the things Brandon said. Yeah, exactly. But it was essentially like saying, like, you know, the way you treat your competition is more important than you know the outcome of the game, something like that. And so, like, with that, with that, like, sentiment going through his head, Davy, like, I guess, grooves one to Manny, right? Yeah, he just, he throws, just right he throws Manny a meatball, yeah, right, just yeah. right down the middle, and Manny Manny crushes it to right field, or at least he hits a pop fly to right field. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, he he hits a, possibly a routine fly ball to right field, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little shallow. Actually, it was a little shallow because. So what happens is Crawford has to. So now we cut to Crawford, and it's in like super slow motion too. <laughs> it's just like the foreboding slow motion of a fly ball hit to the bad kid on the field, right? That's like another archetype of, of baseball movies and TV shows. And so this ball is like floating in the air. Um, and all we see, all we can, all we see is Crawford, like breaking, like real, seeing it, realizing it, like looking up in the air, seeing the ball, making a break for it and just like kind of trotting in slow motion. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, he he just looks like he's gonna pile it. Like you yes. know, you know, he is. He just he's clumsily coming, trying to come in on this ball, um, and then he he inevitably trips and just falls, like just eats it. Um, And this is before the ball even lands. So, like, he trips, (laughs) piles it on the ground, and then the ball hits the ground, bounces, and then hits Crawford in the head. (laughs) Yeah. And It it wasn't enough that that he just missed it or, like, didn't even – he fell down so he couldn't even make a play on it. But the ball has to, like, like, you know, bound over to him and hit him in the head also. Yeah. And uh, so, Jeremy, I I wrote in my notes here uh, an ending of questionable morality – because this, well, well, uh, yeah. the pits win, you know, they end up, uh, it ends up being an inside the park home run or whatever because he misplayed this ball so badly and the game, the pits win three to two. So Avery scored from first base or second base and then uh, the, the other kid, like, it, Man- Manny goes all the way home. Um, but, like, you know, the Crawford was basically shit on this entire episode. Yes. Like, the kid, the kid deserved to make the catch. And yeah. what what is that like teaching of anybody about anything when it's like the, you know this this poor like this poor kid like you know he, he gets shit on the whole episode you think oh well he's gonna make a catch here and he's gonna prove Steve wrong but instead yeah. not only does he miss the ball but he just looks like the clumsiest like you know clumsiest person to ever play baseball doing it yeah absolutely it's like and we should say too that uh, El Presidente says he yells at Jim Walsh and he's like Bosworth's kid would have caught that ball. Which is great. Um, Bosworth's kid is, should be like a, a fantasy baseball team name or something. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's like okay. So one shitty like like shit upon kid hits the ball to another kid who was shit shit on the whole episode, and like the one kid who got shit on like is successful, but the other kid is furtherly shit on, and like is the is the goat like is the reason why they lost the the game. Uh, so it's like there's no redemption for him, but yet Manny is redeemed and wins the game for the team. But Crawford is still like trash, like as a as a person as a player. Um, and yeah, you know the 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 pits celebrate. They like win. I think they even hoist Manny up on on their shoulders or something. Um, but then we cut to we cut to the right field and like you know so the celebration goes on and on and like the kids are kind of like um, I think like. He says, like, I think El Presidente says to Jim, like, they're all losers. Like, you know, they're losers or something. Or they we lost the game. And Jim goes, like, did they? And, like, he cuts to, like, the the crowd on the on the field. And, like, or he cuts to, like, the, 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 the Dukes on the field. And they're kind of, like, they're kind of, like, rallying around each other, even though they just lost, right? Like, I think that's, like, kind of what happens. Yeah. But then, but then we cut to right field, and Crawford is still on the ground, like kneeling, just kind of like in a daze, like oh, I just blew the game or whatever. Yeah, so, and yeah. St- Steve, Steve is over by him, and he's like, "Hey, hey, buddy, it's not that bad," um, or something. And then at th- at this point, uh, Bra- Brandon Brandon goes up to him as well, and he's like, "Hey, man, even Daryl Strawberry couldn't have caught that." Which, <laughs> like, I think he could have, but yeah, 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 no, no, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so at, at some point in this game, too, uh, Andrea had showed up and uh, Brenda, Brenda yeah. was there I, as well. Yeah. And so they had been watching from the sidelines. And uh, uh, so after all this, all this commotion goes on, uh, of course, you see Wally come running. And uh, we hear a uh, bark. Yeah, yeah we like hear a... a bark. And from out of nowhere, Wally <laughs> yeah. comes running. And Bren- Brenda's like, Wally, you're back. And Wally runs right past Brenda. And uh, over to Crawford. 
And Crawford so Cra- goes, Rupert. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he goes, I thought you were dead, Rupert. It's like, Jesus, man. That's, yeah. that's fucked up, man. This kid, th- and uh, he also, he should be a little happier, more, more ecstatic, um, you know, to see, to see the dog that he thought was dead. Yes. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, Crawford missed the ball and he sucks at baseball, but he, he got back his dog that ran away. Yeah, he, he does. And like, um, so, you know, we theoretically Crawford, while he's picking his nose and being made fun of and having to run laps because of Steve, was carrying the weight of like his dead dog on his shoulders, not not never telling anyone about it, um, which makes him like a true like, uh, you know, like man of a few words or whatever. But like, um, but uh, but yeah, like and then like Brenda hears uh, him uh, Crawford called the dog Rupert and she's like Rupert, uh, which is kind of funny, which I don't even know if Rupert Murdoch was part of Fox at that point. I don't know if that was some sort of inside baseball, but, um, but so that was, that was the thing. So, so Crawford's redemption is that he's reunited with his dog. I got to say though, that dog again was so dirty that it's like, he was clearly neglected by whoever his owners were. So like Crawford's family, I don't know, you know, the kids picking his nose and eating it, whatever. I actually, I don't know if they say that he eats it, but, but the dog, the dog should be cleaned. The dog is was maybe neglected. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. But the dog was really dirty, um, and uh, I don't know if if he could have been on the streets long enough for that to have happened. But that happens. Uh, there's one little tag at the end, I think, where Steve is talking to Noah, and he's like, um, Noah said. Noah actually says like, hey, it was an exhibition game. It doesn't really matter. And then Steve goes, Steve goes like it does matter, right? Or it does mean something or something yeah. like that, which was weird. Um, but then like he does say to, they're, they're talking to Noah and he's like, Noah, what's for food? And like, what'd your mom bring? And he says like, she brought spinach salad and warm goat cheese, <laughs> which is just like one more tag about the food runner. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and, then St- and then Steve says, how about a Twinkie? And yeah, Noah's right, right. like, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And then I think that's pretty much it. Then it's like fade to black credits. Yeah, yeah, fade to black, credits roll. Um, yeah, it was, uh, uh, so that was an interesting experience uh, for my first 90210 uh, viewing. Yeah, I would say so. I was thinking about it, and I'm like, either Jack thinks this show is, like, completely ham, ham-fisted, which it is, but for different reasons, I think. So, like, it was a weird one to, to kind of jump into. This was definitely one of the wackiest episodes, but... There's been a lot of wacky episodes this first season, and it's it's been a trip to watch it now at, at the age of forty. When I was watching it at the age of nine, um, so it's it's pretty crazy. Um, and uh, I'm just I I watched like the first episode, and I'm like, no way I'll watch all of these, and I'm I'm twenty episodes in already. So and this is only in like the span of like a month and a half or something. No, definitely. Um, yeah, well, I you know I might watch you know sometime. Jeremy would be interested in watching a few more episodes as a lark. But uh, yeah. yeah, this was a good this was a good baseball centric suggestion. So I'm glad you glad you came upon it. Yeah, for sure. It was it was uh, it was in the cards. Um, it was in the baseball cards uh, for us to do this one and sync up with with uh, doing another watch along. So um, you know, it would be cool to do another maybe another one before the the regular season starts. But um, but yeah, so hopefully uh, this was a, a good further installment in in this series of recaps of baseball related things so um i don't know jack i guess we could kind of wrap it up there huh yeah we're at an even 145 i like it um so for rain delay theater i'm jack swakowski and i'm jeremy dionisio we'll see you next time later later